want to talk to you directly from the heart of God on the topic, draw from the well. Draw from the well. And I really believe that this is, this is a message that God dropped on my heart. I had something else for this week, and then uh, earlier this week, I, I just felt the Lord begin to just kind of speak to me a little bit, and, and I knew that this is what I had to bring tonight. So I'm bringing you some fresh bread. You know, the scriptures use water and wells to symbolize some very powerful things. Ephesians 5 depicts the word of God as water that washes, water that cleanses, right? The book of Ezekiel depicts water as a flowing river, and, it, and what it depicts is as a deep walk with God, and as we follow the Spirit of God, it takes us to a place where wherever the river takes us, it leads us to life, right? It speaks of immersion. The book of Genesis depicts wells, many encounters with God, and moments that, uh, where wells were dug and they were named uh, after a specific experience with God through the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And hence, the scripture has a lot to say about these wells. And what they begin to depict for us is that the wells that you and I draw from for life matter. Let me say that in a very personal way. The wells you draw from for your life matter. And I want you to start thinking about where you draw from for your sustenance in life. What are you depending on? Where are you pulling from? Like, where do you really find your fulfillment? Where are you getting your strength from? Where are you drawing your peace from? Because you see, the wells you draw from for your life matter. I'm reminded of a, it's not about a well story, but it's a story of a, a baker. This guy started off his little bakery business, and he just started off baking bread, baking little pastries. And lo and behold, soon enough, people would pass by, and they would get a whiff in the mornings of this bread that he baked. And it was such a pleasing aroma that it drew people's attention to want to go into this little storefront bakery that he had. And as, as people began to buy his bread and he gave other people samples, the, the, the infrequent stops that people made became a line that wrapped around the block every morning. People just had to get this bread. And one day while... Uh, he was doing what customarily he did, serving his customers all by himself. One particular customer who had been coming there for a while noticed that something was off. And they couldn't put their finger on it, but the more they observed what was happening and they watched this baker, they realized, my God, this guy is busy baking and, giving and, and, and making bread for everyone. But he's so skinny, he's grown emaciated. The reason why I share that with you and I is because like the baker, we can become so consumed with doing what we want, building what we aspire to, and pursuing our own agendas and ideas to the extent that we waste away in the process. My point with that is that you can be drawing from what you think you need for life and actually be wasting away. We can be wasting away. We can be living in frustration. We can, we can be dying of thirst. 
And so, again, I ask you this question, what wells are you drawing from? What are you drawing from from life? And here's the kicker. Is it quenching your thirst? Is it satisfying you? Is it truly providing you what you need to survive, to thrive? You know, there was a woman who would routinely show up at the same well every single day in the land of Samaria. And she would show up at this well to draw water. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but you must understand that this was an agriculturally driven society. In other words, water and everything that water facilitated was important. Without water, there was no life. In an agricultural society, the crops depended on the water, the animals depended on the water, the land depended on the water, your household to cook depended on water, your need for water, your thirst, the, the ability to bathe and to just function in life all revolved around water. And so this woman would show up at this well because she needed it, just like everyone else. But because she had made several mistakes along the way, because her reputation was a bit tarnished over the years, this woman would show up at the well when she knew no one else was there. You see, she wasn't well-received among her own people. We know this if you study this out, because this woman, the scripture clearly states, would show up at this well in the noontime, at the hottest point of the day. And why would she do that? Because women and people would show up to draw water in the early morning hours when it was still cool. We're talking about a dry, desert-type environment. We're talking about the Middle East. And so women and people would show up to draw water, to, to water their camels, to get what they needed early in the day. And they would connect there. And this woman would show up at noontime at the hottest point of the day because she knew no one would be there. She knew no one could say anything to her because no one would be there. She knew that she would not have to confront her shame. She would not have to deal with guilt because there was no one to point it out. And this woman would show up at this well for water every day with this large jar and on one particular day, as she shows up at this well, lugging her large water jar, and she's going to draw water in the blazing heat of the day, she encounters a man. But this was not just any man. This was a Jewish man. And this Jewish man was Jesus. And this was an uncomfortable interruption to her day. Not only because someone was actually there, but also because it was a man and because he was Jewish. You see, Samaritans and Jews had nothing to do with each other in those days. They wanted nothing to do with each other. These were people that lived in animosity between their cultures and their people. These were people that had a difference of opinion and beliefs about how to worship God and where to worship God and what was called for to worship God and to seek God. They had a history of abuse and of fighting and of being derogatory towards one another. Jews were known to call Samaritans dead dogs to treat them as such. And I imagine that this woman was conflicted about being there in this moment. But yet she persisted. Yet she went to the well. Why? Because she needed this water. 
She needed this water. She depended on this water. And this man, this Jesus that was there that day, decided to cross every racial, cultural, and socially acceptable norm to speak to this woman. If you, if you research this, if you go back and study this in John 4 in your own time, you will find that Jesus told his disciples before he got there, hey, we're going to Jerusalem, but we're going to go through Samaria. And you got to understand that geographically that was way out of the way to go towards where, he, where they were supposed to be going. In other words, Jesus had a purposeful intention in being there. He wanted to encounter this woman in her place of thirst, in her place of need. And friends, that tells us something. Wherever we're drawing from, whatever wells we're depending upon, Jesus is going out of his way to meet us there. Let me say this because somebody needs to hear this. Whatever your place of need is, Jesus is there. Whatever your frustration is, Jesus is there. You know what I love about this encounter, this moment in history that God records for us? That while she went to a well to draw water, Jesus brought a well to bring her life. We're going to see that in a moment. And so Jesus, the scripture tells us, as he sees this woman, he sees that she's about to draw water, and he does the most unwelcome thing that you could think of in her mind. He says, can I get a drink of that water that you're drawing? And the scripture records that this woman quickly puts up her defenses because she begins to question him as a Jew. Why would you ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water? How dare you as a Jew approach me as a Samaritan? How dare you as a man approach me as a woman? How dare you cross these lines? And the Bible says that Jesus replies to her with something that she was not expecting. John 4.10 says this, that Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am, listen closely, and the gift that God wants to give you. Listen to what Jesus is saying. I bring you a gift. As you're drawing from these wells that you think you draw sustenance for for life, I'm bringing you a gift. As you're working your tail off to grind it out for life, I'm bringing you a drink. As you're fighting to be heard, fighting to, to feel important, fighting to be noted in a career, fighting to, to, to have control, I'm bringing you a gift. He says, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Living water. What is Jesus talking about when he tells her, I'll give you living water? Well, he's talking about a water that brings true life. The word living here speaks of truth. It speaks of active blessing. It also speaks of something that brings refreshment, that makes us strong, that makes us efficient. And so this woman begins to kind of wrestle with this. And she says to him, 
in, in, in a, she, she says to him, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. Scripture records, she says, you don't, you don't even have something to draw with. Where are you going to get this water that you're talking about? This well is deep. The scripture records that she says to him, where are you going to find this water? And are you greater than my ancestor Jacob who dug this well? Can you trump the person who gave me this well is what she's saying? Can you do better than the one that supplied this well for me? Can you do better than the employer that gives me a paycheck, Jesus? Can you do better than the person that I'm trying to get love from, Jesus? Can you do better than the doctor that promises me some sort of remedy, Jesus? She's questioning this water that he's bringing her. And friends, you know, the truth is we do the same thing too. We do the same thing too. Can I submit to you, dear brother and sister, whether you know Jesus or not, wherever you find yourself in frustration, it's for two reasons. One, because you don't know who Jesus is. And two, because you're not drawing from the life that he brings you. You're drawing from the wrong well. You're drawing from the wrong well. It's not a knock, but it is a moment of divine encounter. It's a moment where our eyes should be enlightened. And so the Bible says that Jesus responds to this woman in John 4, verse 13, that he says to her, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. If you keep depending on that thing, that person, those resources, those people, those places, those things, you will be thirsty again. You'll never be satisfied. If you're looking for love from a man, from a woman, but you're putting them in place of the love of God, It'll never satisfy you. It won't. He says, if you drink from Jacob's well, go back, please. If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again, 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 and again, and again, and again, and again. You'll never be satisfied. So he goes on to say, but if anyone drinks the living water, I give them. They will never be thirsty again, for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. This is not satisfaction for the moment. This is satisfaction for life. This is not provision for your need. This is provision for your life. This is not provision for a problem. This is not a solution for a momentary problem. This is a solution for life. And so the woman replies to him and she says, let me drink that water. Let me get some of that water. Let me get some of that water. Why? So I'll never be thirsty again. Listen to this. And I won't have to come back here to draw water. I don't want to go back. I don't want to keep coming back to this place where I end up empty is what she's saying. 
I don't want to keep coming back to this place where I'm reminded that I've failed again and again. I don't want to keep coming back to this place where I get what I think I need, but I never leave with what I need. I'm always lacking. I'm always wanting more. And so Jesus responds to her and he says to her, go get your husband. Bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said. For you've been married five times and now you're living with a man that is not your husband. You have told the truth. Question, why would Jesus bring this up? Was it to shame her? Was it to condemn her? Was it to pass judgment? I submit to you, it wasn't at all. And the reason why I say that confidently is because the scripture says that Jesus came in grace, full of grace and truth. Jesus declared in his encounter with Nicodemus that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. So I submit to you, he wasn't putting her down. He wasn't shouting her down. He wasn't judging her. He wasn't shaming her. You know what he was doing? He was opening her eyes to the well that she was depending on. You see, this woman went through multiple sources of, of, of relationship. She sought relationship in various places with various people, and all of them failed. This was the well that she was drawing from. And thankfully, Jesus did not leave her at this well of despair. He brought her a well of life. You know, the reason why this woman could not understand what Jesus was telling her at first, what well he was talking about, was because she had no knowledge about the well and the water that Jesus was offering. And sometimes the reason why we go in pursuit of wells and water that don't satisfy and fill us is because we don't know any better. Like the baker, we just continue pursuing what we think we need. And as a result, we waste away because what we pursue doesn't fill us. Proverbs 29, 18, a familiar passage of Scripture puts it this way, where there is no revelation... Some versions put it this way, where there's no vision. It's talking about a revelation, but a revelation from God, an opening of our understanding in the heart. Where there's no revelation, it says people cast off restraint. The King James puts it this way, they perish. And the reason why they perish is because there's no boundaries for safety. There's no guardrails for life. It's like driving on a road and there's nothing to protect you along the sides. At some point, you're going to miss something and you're going to go over that cliff. And so it says where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. They live without boundaries. They live without guidance. The blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Amen. See, when we can't see what God has for us, friends, we won't see what God that we won't see God's best for us. And let me tell you what this well that Jesus was talking about is all about. Because the scripture actually tells us the well that he's talking about. What was this woman missing? What didn't she understand? Let me show it to you from scripture. 
I'm not here to give you an opinion. Isaiah 12, verses 1 through 6 says this. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Watch what verse 2 says. It says, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Watch this. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, when you begin to draw from this well, he says, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Listen to what Jesus was pointing her to. He was saying, I am the one who brings comfort to you. I am the one who does not condemn you. I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not angry with you. If anything, I'm here to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to alleviate you, to bring you joy, to bring you strength. He's saying, I'm the one that you should be trusting. Don't be afraid of me. You've run from men. You've run from situations. You've run from people, but run into my arms. He's saying to her, I am the Lord himself who is your strength, and I am your defense. Draw from me. So let me ask you a question. Why is it that sometimes we still go somewhere else? What is it that convinces us that whatever that is, whatever that well is, that we are actually going to leave satisfied from there? Why? Why do we do that? It's because we convince ourselves that there's something better out there. How many times do we have to end up dissatisfied, unfulfilled, empty, to finally find ourselves at a place where we realize this is not what I need. This is not what I want. This does not fulfill me. Friends, I bring you a simple message tonight. Your need is supplied by Jesus. I believe it's Psalm 16. I could be wrong. Psalm 16, I believe, says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's in, it's in his presence. It's in relationship with him. It's in turning to him for your needs. It's in your trust in him. See, there is, this is the power of our salvation. It is like a well. But this well is deeper than any wells that we've dug for ourselves. And whatever well you dig is really a hole. It's not a well. It's a hole. And we can rejoice at his well, is what Jesus is showing us, because 
in his well, at his well, we draw mercy. We draw comfort. We draw strength. We find defense. We find everything that we need without an end. In, at his well, everything that Christ has provided for us brings refreshment, brings renewal, brings restoration, brings satisfaction in our deepest area of needs. And so instead of lugging your burdens in life, like this woman lugged her jar, seeking to fill yourself with people, with places, with things. Friends, turn to Jesus. And you know, in turning to Jesus, I'm not talking about just pray to Jesus. I'm not talking about just go to church. I'm talking about stay at the well. Stay at the well. Stay at the well. You know, I have never seen a branch that says, that's it. I'm cutting myself off from the vine. There's only one branch that does that. Certain Christians. Why would you reject life? Why would you reject his wisdom? Why would you reject the peace that he brings? Why would you reject his comfort? Why would you reject his healing? Why would you reject his direction? Why would you cut yourself off from that? Hmm. This teaches us something. See, this woman kept going back to this well with this same jar. And it shows us that we can't draw from Christ's well with the same jar. Here where I'm coming from. This woman used the same jar to get the same water to get the same results. She was seeking to quench her thirst and her needs, but she kept coming back empty. How do we know that? Because she had to go back for more. She had to go back for more. You know what that's called? That's called insanity. Why? Because she was doing the same thing and hoping for different results. She was tired of going there day in and day out. We know that because she says, give me that water that you're talking about so I don't have to come to this place anymore. So that I don't have to lug these jars anymore. So I don't have to keep doing the same thing anymore. So I don't have to keep dealing with the same circumstances anymore. So I don't have to live with the regrets and the laments and the reminders of everything that's gone wrong. No matter how much she drew, no matter how much water she drew from this well, no matter how many people she avoided in the heat of the day, and no matter how many men she kept in her life, None of them satisfied her need for life. None of them quenched her thirst. But when she discovered the well, when she understood, wait, you're the Savior. You're the Messiah. 
You're the promised one that the holy scriptures, that the prophets spoke of, that they declared that he would come in strength and in might, that they declared that he would be the one that would redeem us and restore us, that he would be the one that would satisfy us with long life, that he would be the one that would heal us, that he would be the one that would draw us back and make all things right. You're the one when she realized that he was the Savior. You know what she did? Wish I had a jar. There's one reason why I, didn't, why, I didn't get, why I didn't get a jar. I actually thought about going to Home Depot and getting a big one because I knew that I would make a mess tonight and break it right here. I would. I said, nah, it's not going to be good. I just envisioned it ricocheting and somebody getting cut. Then somebody wants to sue the church. No, let me stop. She took her jar. She realizes that he's the answer, that, she's, he's, that everything she needs is found in a relationship with him. And the Bible clearly states that she leaves her jar. I don't need that water. And I don't need to draw with that jar anymore. She lets go of what she thought she needed. John 4, 20 says, all at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone. Friends, once you and I know true life in Christ, we have to let go of the jars we once used to fill up because they always leave us empty. For this woman, these jars possibly filled a few different things. Maybe it was the need to be loved. Maybe it was acceptance. Maybe it was protection. Maybe it was provision. She sought all these things in these relationships but she had to let go of her jar so that the love and acceptance and protection and provision of Jesus could water her life. Let me ask you a question. What are you carrying? What are you holding on to that you think you need to fill up? And let's be honest with ourselves. Does it work? Does it actually live, leave you fulfilled? Mark 2.22 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and who would pour new wine into an old wineskin? Why would you try to put something new that I'm bringing to your life into the old? Why would you want me to put life, to bring life, to those jars that never fulfilled you. Eventually, the wine will ferment and make the wineskin burst, losing everything. The wine will be spilled and the wineskin ruined. Instead, new wine is always, always poured into what? New wineskins. New jars. New jars. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Stop asking God to bless old mindsets, to bless old ways, to put his blessing on old relationships, to put his blessing on old desires, to resurrect an old life. His blessing can't be contained there. This new life does not fit in the old. Friends, According to the words of Jesus, 
like the wineskins that take new wine and old wineskins, you will burst your life. You will lose everything. We can't fit new life into old jars. Which leads me to a final point. This is an important one. Water is essential for life. Don't waste it. Hear where I'm coming from here. At the most basic level, just on a very natural, practical level, do you know how important water is just for your physical life? Water regulates body temperature. Do you know that water makes up 83% of our blood? Do you know that water is necessary to remove waste from this body? Did you know that water composes 75% of our brain? Did you know that water helps carry nutrients and oxygen to cells? That it moistens oxygen for breathing? Did you know that it helps convert food into energy? Did you know that it protects and cushions our vital organs? That it helps our bodies absorb nutrients? Did you know that it accounts for 22% of our bone structure? Did you know that water cushions joints? Did you know that water makes up 75% of our muscle mass? How many of you would agree that water is essential? Without water, we don't have life. We will wither away. Friends, the scripture says in Proverbs eleven twenty-five, it gives us an understanding of the importance of water in two places. It says, whoever brings blessings will be enriched. But listen to this. And one who waters will himself be watered. That depicts two things for us, friends. It depicts what we receive from Jesus. But it also depicts what we do with it. And friends, we are created in the image of God. We are children of God. And yes, we receive from the well. But we are also called to be wells that water other people. We are also called to be people that bring life because we've received life. And so daily we should be drawing from the well. But we should also be dispersing water in places where it's required, where people need it. Friends, let me say something to you tonight as we take a moment to reflect upon what Jesus actually did for us. This woman found true and living water. But you know what's the truth about true and living water? What Jesus gives us, it can't be contained. The Bible says that we have treasure in jars of clay. Our lives are jars. 
This new life, this new creation that we've become in Christ is a jar. It's a jar that's meant to receive and embrace and intake treasure. But this treasure becomes trouble when it's not allowed to flow. And so daily, friends, we should draw from the well. But how about we start pouring out of the wells that we've become as well? You know why that's important? It's said that stagnant waters eventually stink. What are you doing with this treasure? What are you doing with this well that you draw from? What are you doing with this life that God has given you? It's supposed to flow. See, as we water others, we ourselves become refreshed. As we apply and use this water, not only does it quench our deepest thirst, our deepest needs, but it also makes room for us to receive more and to give more. Let's take a moment to stand here. And I want to take you back to a question that we began from with. And this is one between you and Jesus. This is between you and God. You know, what we hear from the word and we understand, we are responsible for. We're accountable for it. God holds us accountable as to what we do with it. And tonight, at the most basic human level, here's what we understand. Jesus brings us life. Jesus supplies all that we need. Jesus satisfies us in the deepest parts of our soul. Jesus gives us all that we require. Take a moment to close your eyes, not because you don't want to see anybody, not because it's something super spiritual, but do it as a matter of focus. Do it with great intention. And be honest with yourself. And be honest before God. What well have you been drawing from? Where do you go that you keep seeking? If it's in relationship with Jesus, then friends, stay at the well. Seek all that he need that you need from him. But if you've been drawing from different wells, wells that you dug, which are holes, wells that people put before you and they say, this is, I got what you need. This supplies what you want. This is all you've ever been looking for. But you know it's not. Because you're not satisfied. You're not overflowing with joy. You're not walking in peace. 
You're not overflowing with life. Whatever well you've been at, if it hasn't been the well of your salvation, tonight's the night to take your cup, your heart, and bring it back to Jesus. Tonight's the night where we turn back to God. Where we cry out for his name. Where we depend on his presence. Where we confess and we declare you are all that I want. You're all that I need. You've been drawing from the wrong well. Jesus is not mad at you. He's bringing you fresh and living water tonight. He's saying, trust me. He's saying, turn to me. He's saying, stay with me. Because I bring you waters that bring life. Ezekiel 47 records a vision that Ezekiel had. And in this vision, Ezekiel finds himself at the temple of God. And he notices that from the east gate, that there's water that's beginning to trickle out of the temple. And the Spirit of God asks him, what do you see? The Spirit of God is represented in the form of a man. He says, what do you see? And he says, I see water coming out of the temple. And the scripture says that this man, representative of God in his spirit, says to him, come with me. Let me show you something. And then the Spirit, the scripture says, measures out a cubit. It's a measurement. And he says, okay, let's walk this far. And as Ezekiel walks with God, Scripture says that he finds himself in water that's up to his ankles. But then the Scripture declares that God, by his Spirit, says to him, he, he measures out another, another uh, 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 amount of cubits, and he, and he takes him further. And the scripture says that Ezekiel now finds himself about waist deep. And then the, the Spirit of God measures out another measure of cubits. And he says, Ezekiel, come with me. And Ezekiel goes with him. And now he finds himself at a place where he's at the place where he can't control his standing anymore. What's my point with that? The Bible says that in these waters, that these waters carried over to such an extent that they went into salt water and they healed it. It actually depicts what's known as the Dead Sea. And there those waters, that flow from God brought healing and it gave way to produce the opportunity for fish to once again live, for life to spring forward. The point with this is simply this, that as we press in to Christ, 
as we seek what he provides. Friends, it's no longer within your control to dictate what you need for life. He gives it to you. He provides it to you. He leads you in a flow that takes you to places where you find living water, where you are refreshed, where you are restored, where you have new vision for life, where you find purpose. Where you go where he leads. And as the old saying says, where he guides, oh man, he provides. Would you get back to the place? Well, God, I'm following you. There's a well. And this well brings life. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.